Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to turn to Habakkuk chapter 2 while you're turning. Last week, we uh, started talking to you about vision. And uh, I started talking to you about the church vision. And uh, I, I realized that there were some, some things about vision and about the church vision that I had really not shared with, this, with you before. I've been teaching a class, a week-long uh, session of, of classes at the Bible School in California where Pastor Angela and I go every January, Pastor Nancy Dufresne's Bible School. Uh, And I teach a a class there every year. And almost every year for the last five or six years, I've taught, or at least four or five years, I've taught on the the local church. And uh, I don't teach on it every year, but almost every year. And, uh, And there's some things about the vision of the local church that I've taught in the Bible school. And just in the last uh, couple of weeks when I've been uh, just, the Lord's been stirring me up in this, I suddenly realized there were things that I've talked about, about the vision of the local church, not just this church, but about the importance of the vision of a local church that I've never even taught here. I've never taught, there's some of these things I've never covered, and, and not, not intentionally, but just... Uh, uh, something that I've been teaching Bible school students, you know, who are preparing for ministry. And, uh, and so there's some things that, uh, that I believe will be helpful for us as a congregation to see about the importance of our church vision. Not just, not just uh, we're all well aware of what our church vision is because we, we talk about it often. We Everybody that starts attending the church, if they take the new members class, they get the CDs, they listen to me teaching on the church vision. We all know what it is, but, but there's some things about why that's important that I've really never covered with you before. And so kind of gave an introductory uh, 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 lesson last week, and I want to pick up uh, a little bit uh, tonight and talk about not just how the, not It's not just, this is what I want to cover, it's not just how important the church vision is to the church. It's how important the church vision is to you as an an individual, how it impacts you, how it should impact you, and what your your, uh, appreciation should be. Uh, with the church, uh, uh, for the church vision and how to cooperate with it. In Habakkuk chapter 2, in uh, verse number 2, the Lord answered and said to Habakkuk, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. We talked about the fact last week, I, I talked a little bit about how that it's the pastor's responsibility to get the vision for the church from the Lord. Uh, I teach Bible school students, uh, uh, you know, if you're gonna, when you go out in the ministry, make sure that you wait in the presence of God long enough to get the vision for your ministry, whatever it is. And if you're gonna start a church, it's, in, it's critical that there is not just... Uh, that you don't just copy a vision from somebody else. 
you know, you can go online and you can search out all the other churches in America, you know, and, and find out what they believe and what they are doing and what they think is important. And I think a lot of times even ministers do that. They kind of shop around and, th- and, and, and pray as they shop around and, and, and listen to different people's visions and just, you know, see if there's anything that sort of, you know, kind of sounds good to them. And they decide, well, that's what our church's vision is going to be. But uh, you remember in Acts chapter 26, the, uh, when we read about our vision, hold your place in tobacco, in, in, not tobacco, Habakkuk. <laughs> we do not have a tobacco vision, Habakkuk. And go with me to Romans, I mean to uh, Acts 26, Acts 26. And, uh, you know, we, we, we always read about our church vision, 16 and verse 16 and 18. But verse 19, uh, Paul said, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. There must be a, a, a divine vision. There, the, the vision of the church has to come from heaven. It has to be supernatural. It has to be something that, that is given by the Spirit of God, not just something that somebody thinks up. And, uh, and, and, of course, it's the pastor's job, it's his responsibility to find out what the vision is for the church. And, uh, and so you can turn back over to Habakkuk. It says, write the vision, make it plain, that he may run who reads it. Each member of the church is to run with the vision. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Each member of the church is to run with, notice he said, write the vision, make it plain that he may run who reads it. Every member of the church is supposed to run with the vision of the church, not run contrary to the vision of the church. Not to, to, to look around and, and see what, uh, what you think is working someplace else. Not to come in and say, well, you know, I'd like to see our church be more uh, this or that. And, and, and I would like to see our church go in this direction, that direction. The, no, run with the vision that God gives for this church. It creates a, a sense of, of uh, it, it unsettles things uh, spiritually when people in the church have their own idea of what the local church is supposed to be doing. I said it's unsettling spiritually when people in the church develop their own ideas of what they think their local church is supposed to be all about, what it's supposed to be pursuing. He said that he may run who reads it. Well, we're all supposed to run with the vision. God intends that each member of a church do his part to help the vision come to pass. Attending church is important, but what are you doing to actually help the vision of the church come to pass? And I'll say it again, every member should be doing their own part to help the vision of the church come to pass. Uh, there are a lot of people, like I said, who, who come to church and they agree with the vision but they don't ever really get involved in helping it. You, you ought to ask yourself the question, what, what have I done this month? What have I done? Actually, what, what uh, activity have I participated in this month that is in furtherance of the vision of our church? 
And you see, if you're not, if you're not serving somewhere, you're not really participating in helping the vision come to pass. Amen. And, and this, isn't, this isn't to get on to anybody. I, I'm just, this is just real common sense. I mean, this is just basic common sense. You know, what are you doing to help the vision come to pass? And, and coming to church, listen, don't, 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 don't get discouraged. I want you to come. If that's the best you can do, come, you know. But it isn't the best you can do. Amen. You can get involved and, and help the vision come to pass. Uh, the local church is not a stepping stone to move into your own ministry. A lot of people have, have the idea, and sometimes it's conscious and sometimes I think it's unconscious, but some people have the idea that, that the, the local church provides an opportunity for them to, uh, uh, they, they use the local church as an opportunity to step into their ministry. Now, now listen to me carefully. Everyone, not, not everyone is called to the five-fold ministry. I, we, we developed in the Word of Faith circles, we developed that, that uh, terminology many, many years ago, the five-fold ministry, because it's based on there are five main uh, ministry offices, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, so we call it the five-fold ministry. I think sometimes it's helpful to refer to them as the lead ministries. There are lead ministries, there are two kinds of ministries in the church, lead ministries and supportive ministries. All ministry in the church is either a lead ministry, I'm talking about in the body of Christ, is either a lead ministry or it's a supportive ministry. Now, everybody, not everybody is called to be in, in a lead ministry. Lead ministries being apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Not everybody's called to that. That ought to be pretty obvious. Really, only a small percentage of people in the whole body of Christ are ever called into one of these lead ministries. And, uh, you know, sometimes when, when people will come, uh, I've had this happen many times over the years. Somebody has come to me and they say, Pastor, I, I feel like, uh, you know, uh, I'm called into the ministry. I feel like I'm supposed to go to Bible school and, and, and I just feel like I'm called into the ministry. And, and I wanted to get your, your insight on it. And sometimes I've said, well, you know, I, I, I can see that. I can see the hand of the Lord upon you and, and I'll help you any way I can. There are other times when, I, when I've had to say, well, you know, uh, don't misunderstand me. I'm not the Holy Ghost. I don't call anybody. So it's not up to me whether you're called or not. But if you're asking my opinion, I don't really think you're called into full-time ministry. And invariably, people get mad. At the best, they get their feelings hurt. And, and I guess I can understand that. When, when I was first uh, became aware that God had called me into the ministry, I, I was really reluctant to tell anybody about it, say anything, because I thought people would laugh at me. As a matter of fact, I was sure some people would laugh at me. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, you're putting yourself out there. But in the final analysis, it's God that calls people in the ministry, not their pastor. So it's not up to me whether you're called in the ministry or not. I'm talking about lead ministries. Now, we're all called 
if you're, if you're not called, listen, if you're not called to a lead ministry, you're called to supportive ministry. Say it again. If you're not called to lead ministry, a lead ministry, you're called to supportive ministry. Everybody is. Not everybody heeds the call, but everybody is called either to a lead ministry or to serve in supportive ministries. But uh, whether you're called into a lead ministry or not is not up to me. I don't make the decisions. And, and so sometimes it's been really baffling and really, uh, you know, uh, annoying to me because people ask my opinion and then they don't like my opinion and they get mad. Well, I didn't ask them to ask my opinion. I didn't say, come to me, I want to tell you my opinion. Uh, and, and, I, and I tell people when this happens, now I, I always say this, I say, now I could be wrong. I'm not the Holy Ghost. I don't see, I don't see it, but I could be wrong. Don't let that discourage you just because I don't see it because I'm, I'm well satisfied that a lot of people, when I first stepped in, into ministry and decided I was gonna go to Bible school, I, as a matter of fact, I know for a fact that certain people didn't see it. But I wasn't looking for anybody's recommendation. I wasn't looking for anybody's permission. And I don't mean that in a haughty way. I wasn't, I, I didn't disregard people, but I, I, I sensed that, that God's leading me. I'm gonna have to obey God. Whether people see it or they don't see it, whether they agree with it or don't agree with it. And so it was never, it, it once, this took a, you know, a year or so to get to this place, but once I got to that place where I had accepted in my own heart that I was called to the ministry, by that time, it didn't really, it didn't really matter what anybody thought. And, but, the th- but the point I'm making is I don't know why people should get their feelings hurt because most people aren't called to the ministry. Most people aren't called to a lead ministry. Most, the overwhelming majority aren't. So why should that hurt your feeling? Because I don't think you are. Amen. I'm not talking to anybody here, but this, is, this has happened quite a few times in the past. And, uh, and so uh, some people, I said that to say this, some people feel like they're called into a lead ministry and they view the church as a place to, uh, to just use to get into the ministry God has for them. And God can use the local church. God should use the local church. Or say it like this, if you are called into a lead ministry, then certainly the local church should help you in that. In other words, coming to church, participating in church, the church and the ministry of the church should have a, a positive impact and help you as you're making that, that, uh, that, that uh, pursuing that path in your life. It should. But what I'm talking about is some people look at a church as, and they pick a place, they come to a church never really intending to get involved in the local church because they see that as beneath them because they're, quote, called into the ministry. I've had people, a few, over the years, and, and it's real discernible when, when, you, when, when, when you meet these people. They right away come in and, and they want to be uh, a, a, and I don't say this from, from a position that I think I'm better than anybody because I don't, but uh, there's, there's lead ministries, the pastor of the church, and other people aren't pastors. They're, they're, not, they're not in the ministry, in, in the lead ministry. There are people that have come in and 
and they introduced themselves as minister so-and-so. I'm, yes, I'm minister so-and-so. I've, I, don't, I don't go very often to churches where, you know, where people don't know me, you know, because until recently, I don't, I've never really even traveled outside the local churches. Very rarely ever ministered anywhere but here until the last few years. A couple of years in particular, you know, I've started uh, going out and, and I've been getting invitations to come to other churches to preach. We're going this weekend to California to preach in a church near San, San Francisco. So I don't go very often to places where people don't know me. But when I do, if I'm on vacation or I'm... You know, if I go to a, a wedding or a funeral of somebody, you know, that's, you know, another church, I never one time, it never even occurs to me to introduce myself. Hi, I'm Pastor Anderson. It just never occurred. The reason is because I am a pastor and I know I'm a pastor. And so I don't need to impress upon somebody else that I'm in the ministry. And so there are people that will show up and they put their hand out the first time. Yes, I minister so-and-so. Well, praise the Lord. You know, okay. And, and we've had people in, in the past, one or two, that have, have come to our church for a period of time and they immediately wanted to come in and, and, and buddy up with, with Pastor Angela and I and, and be, be, be peers and, and, it, and I, that sounds like I think that I'm not peers with everybody. That's not my point. But in other words, they want to be on, on, on my level. They don't, want, they don't want, let me say that list, they don't want to be an ordinary church member. That's the better way to put it. They don't want to be an ordinary church member. They don't want to be like one of you guys. They want to be in, a, in another class. They want me to recognize that, that they're in the ministry. And so they want to have a unique relationship with me or with Pastor Angela. And, uh, you know, none of that's helpful. I've never, I've never really known those people to ever really go on and, and, and have a ministry. There, we've had people in the past that have come to our church. Uh, maybe they moved here from another, you know, location or something, maybe a job or something, you relocated here, started coming to our church. And, and, and we've had people, you know, tell us, uh, you know, the church we were in before, before we came here, we were in such and such a position in the church. You know, we were over this ministry or over another ministry, we we're in charge of this or in charge of that, you know, and that's it, we'll praise the Lord. And they came, you know, and, but, but I noticed they never got involved here. And they would tell me, oh, yeah, in, in my previous church, you know, we were over this ministry and we were over that ministry and we helped here and we helped there. And then they never did anything here. And sometimes they, maybe they were going to stay three or four months, you know, and so they don't want to get involved because they're, you know, they're just going to be here for a few months. But then that turned into eight months, ten months, year, two years, four years. And they never got involved because they were looking to, to go someplace else. See, they saw the church as a stopover. And we had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, you know, for, for people to serve. We would get up and talk about, you know, the such and such department is looking for helpers. You know, this department's looking for helpers, looking for volunteers. And these are people that could, they were talented. 
They could have served anywhere. You know, good, good people that they were folks that people liked. They, you know, simulated well into the congregation. Could have never, never did anything. And always, and I always scratched my head. Now, why in the world? How come, Lord? I went to the Lord about it, and He said, "It's not on me." I said, now, Lord, now, why is it, you know, they were such a blessing somewhere else? They keep telling me what a blessing they used to be, but they're not a blessing here. Why don't, why don't they get involved? And, and then it occurred to me one day, because they're see, they see the church as a stopover on the way to the next thing God has for them. And so they don't get involved here. I, I understand God does call people into uh, uh, full-time ministry out of the local church. He does. Uh, and, and, and so that's good, but while you're here, you ought to be involved in helping the local church. Even if you're called to be an evangelist or you're called to be a, a, a pastor or you're called to be a missionary or whatever you're called, if you've got a genuine calling on your life, it, it's it's doubly uh, fitting that you would be involved in your local church. God does send people out. Remember in Acts chapter 13 when the church was, was meeting together and, 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 and the Lord said, separate unto me Paul or Saul and Bar- Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have for them. They were sent out by the Holy Ghost. They were sent out by the church. Notice the, the Saul and Barnabas knew it but so did the other ministers in the church. In other words, they recognized that call and they sent them out. I, I, I think that's wonderful. But even if, you're, even if you are in full-time ministry, let's, let's say, for instance, you were a traveling minister. Let's say you were an evangelist or a traveling teacher, had some kind of a traveling ministry. When you were home, when you're home, this doesn't apply to anybody here, but I'll use this as an illustration. When you're home, you ought to be involved in the church. You ought to be involved in the local church. You take, for instance, Christopher Allen. When, when he is, you know, he's not home very often. He's gone almost every Sunday he's preaching somewhere. When he is home during the year, he's usually home for a few days, you know, in the week, during the week, and then he's gone on Sunday. But his wife is actively involved in church. The church, they, they attend a local church. Every time he's home, he comes in, he talks to his pastor, you know, goes and visits his, his pastor, you know, and fills him in on what, you know, God's been doing. He, he brags about his pastor a lot on Facebook. And I know his pastor, he's a great man. And, uh, but my point is, he values the local church and he feels like when he's home, he's submitted to the ministry of that church and he supports it with his tithes. He, he, he supports it every, he's not there all the time, but his wife is there, and so she's involved. She, she, she's got positions in the church that she feels, she doesn't feel like she's, well, I'm special, you know, my, my husband's an apostle, you know, and he's a, you know, he's a, a great missionary, you know, and we don't need to get, I, listen, that's more widespread than you think. A lot of ministers that I know that, uh, that are otherwise good ministers when, when, when their, their families aren't involved in the local church at all. Everybody ought to be involved in the local church and help the ministry of the local church and help to bring to pass the vision of the church. Even if you have another ministry, 
And, uh, you know, if, if you're called, if the, if the call of God is upon you for lead ministry, if, that, if, that, if you've got a heart for ministry, you'll want to do anything you can. You don't feel like you're too good or too aloof. Or I, I'm just, you know, I, God's going to move me on. To, you know, well, in the meantime, can you not do something? Can you not do something? To, I don't have, to be honest with you, I don't have a lot of respect for people who claim they're called of God for some kind of lead ministry and, and they can't ever do anything in the local church. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. In, in uh, Proverbs 29, turn over there with me. Proverbs 29. Hallelujah. Verse 18 says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Now, everyone is called, every, let me say this, everybody has uh, a call on their life outside the local church. I mean, other than, say, the pastor, because this is, this is what I do for a living. Uh, if you're a lay person, like I said, you're either called into lead, lead ministry for your layperson, you're not, so you're called into supportive ministry. Everybody ought to be involved in supporting the church and, and actually working in the church. So, well, I, I, you know, I don't know where I fit in. There's a place for you. If you'll volunteer and make yourself available, there's a place for you. Now, outside the church, every Christian has a calling. Every Christian has things that God puts on their heart to pursue. Maybe, maybe you're in, in uh, midlife and maybe you had to quit college, you know, whenever you were young, you didn't get to finish your schooling and, and you've always had a desire to go back to college and get that degree. Well, my, my, my word to you is pray about it. You know, pray about it. And, and, and if the Lord leads you that way, praise God. Go for it. That, that'll be your calling for the next few years. Or maybe you're, you know, maybe you're just graduating from high school. Maybe you just graduated. And everybody's saying, go to college, go to college, go to college. And maybe you think, you know, I just don't, college just doesn't do, you know, not everybody's supposed to go to college. Not everybody has to go to college. Not everybody's supposed to go to college. I think it's good if that's for you. But there's some people, it's just not for. There are other people, it's not for right now. Some people just need a couple years to grow up. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of college uh, kids that flunk out of college the first year or two simply because they weren't mature enough uh, to be in college. And, if they just, and then they've got a bad taste in their mouth. They flunked out of school. Sometimes if they'd have just waited for a couple of years and worked, you know, and grown up a little bit, then they'd make a much better college student. So my point is, whatever, you know, God may be leading you to start a business, Maybe you've always worked for, you know, XYZ company and, and you just haven't always had it in your heart to start a business. Well, pray about it, you know, and if, and if the Lord leads you that way, go for it. Go with me over, there's a scripture I like, go with me over to James. Hold your place in Proverbs, we'll come back. Go to James and let's look at 
to tell you what chapter it is. I'll find it in a second. Amen. Go to James chapter 4 and look at verse number 13. Come now, James 4, 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, and buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a little vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to go to your pastor and say, Pastor, what do you think? Is that what that says? No. What does it say? You ought to say, if the Lord wills. Whatever, whatever it is you feel like is your calling in life or whatever it is you feel like you ought to pursue, you know, go to the Lord about it. Don't, you know, it's not up to me. Now, there's nothing wrong if it's a, if it's a real uh, significant life decision, you know. There's nothing wrong with going to the pastor and just say, listen, you know, I'm, I'm praying about uh, making this change and, and uh, I'd like for you just to pray with me about it. I'll be glad to do that. And uh, occasionally, usually not, but occasionally the Lord will give me something, some direction, you know, just a, a word of, 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 of help, you know, a, a something to say that, that would encourage you or some wisdom, you know, that, that you could use. There's nothing wrong with that. But you don't go to the pastor to find out whether you're supposed to go to this city or that city and buy and sell and trade and all that. You're supposed to do that on your own. So understand that everybody has a, there's a vision for your own life. You all have a vision for your own life outside the church. I want you to understand, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discarding that or, dis, or, or discrediting that. I believe in that. But if you've been joined to a local church, then the, the, the vision of this church, you ought to be a part of that. Yes, go here and there and do and go to school, join the military, you know, uh, uh, start a business, you know, uh, what, what, you know, get married, don't get married. What, you know, yeah, do all of those things as you're led of the Holy Ghost. But if you're a member of the church, the church is called together for a purpose. Can I get an amen? The, ch- the church is called together. God calls local churches together for a purpose. God put us here for a purpose and we know what our vision is. And so if you're a member of this church, in addition to whatever else you feel in life you're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to be involved in the church. You're not supposed to be a bystander. Amen. And, and, if, you're, and if you're called into full-time ministry, if you really are called into full-time lead ministry, there'll be a desire in your heart to help in the local church. And, and when there's no desire to help in the local church, people never get involved, just don't do anything, just show up and don't, don't ever get involved in any kind of ministry. Uh, I, don't have, I don't have a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, respect for the call of God on their life. Amen. So assist the pastor. Don't just bide your time. Now go back to uh, Proverbs chapter 29 again. Proverbs 29. And let's look at verse 18, where there is no revelation. Now, the older King, James, older King James said, where there is no vision. Anybody remember that? Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's what the older King James said. This says, where there is no revelation. Now, the margin of my Bible says a prophetic vision. 
Where there is no prophetic vision, the people, in the New King James, it says the people cast off restraint. Instead of saying perish, it says the people cast off restraint. Now, uh, there are several other different translations of this uh, word that, or words that are called, that are translated cast off restraint. Some translations say break loose. Another translation, that's the Moffat's translation. Lesser translation says become unruly. Beck's translation says run wild. Uh, uh, New American Bible says become demoralized. Uh, basic uh, uh, Bible, uh, basic English Bible says are uncontrolled. The TEV, and I forgot what that stands for, some version, uh, says they're without order. Where there is no vision, the people... Uh, break loose. I put all these together into one paraphrase and it goes like this. Where there is no vision, no revelation of the plan and purpose of God for a people, they break loose, cast off restraint and become unbridled. They become unruly and begin to run wild. They're uncontrolled and out of order. Now I'm putting all these together having ceased to do anything productive for God, eventually become demoralized and perish. Now, that's what happens when people are without a vision. Now, the idea, the imagery that's in this verse, what, what the, the picture this verse gives us is the picture of a team of horses. You know, that are bright. What do you, do, I know a bridle, you can help me, Melanie, a bridle is on an individual horse. What's on a team of horses? Is it also a harness? Is that right? Did I hear you right? So a, a team of horses are harnessed together. And uh, so the image here is of a team of horses that are harnessed together to, to move, either pull a wagon or, or a cart or some kind of a load, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're harnessed together to do a job. That's what the local church is like. We're like a team of people that are harnessed together and the vision, the church vision is that harness. So we're harnessed together. You know, it takes, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of time and, and effort to break in a team of horses. You know, you have to work with, because horses uh, on their own, they just want to do their own things. Horses are powerful animals, majestic animals. They have tremendous strength. But on their own, they just want to do what they want to do. And so of uh, 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 someone who, who is going to put together a team of horses, he has to break those horses in and work with them and get them to uh, the place where they start working together. You know, a team of horses can do ex- exponentially more teamed together than, than they can do even divided up, you know, each one of them separately added up. They can do so much more because they're, God, God has given us certain animals that he gave us to serve us. Horses are, are like that. God gave us horses to serve us. They're, they're animals that, that we can harness together and train to do great things. And so uh, the imagery here is of a team of horses and a church is like a team of horses that are harnessed together. But then the idea is of a horse that breaks loose from the harness. He breaks loose from the bridle. He breaks loose from the harness. And so, you know, again, paraphrasing, 
where there is no vision, no revelation of the plan and purpose of God for a people, they break loose, cast off restraint, become unbridled. That was what one of the translations said. They become unbridled. We would say unharnessed. They become unruly and begin to run wild. They are uncontrolled and out of order. And, 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 have, and because they've ceased to do anything productive for God, they become demoralized and, 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 and perish. Uh, you, you see this horse. You can just picture this horse that breaks free from the harness and he runs off up into the mountain. And you can, you can picture that horse. I can. He's free finally. I mean, he's free from that old binding harness, you know, and having to stay in with the other horses. And now he'll just run up in the mountains and just, he goes wild. And you can see him, he's running around in circles, you know, he's kicking dirt up in the air, kicking his hoofs up, you know. And, and uh, what, do, what noise do, do horses make? When, is it winning? Winning and neighing, you know. He's neighing and winning and, you know, just making all, he's just having a high time. You can see him up there. He is having a blast. He finally got free from that harness and and he's just having the greatest time in the world. When people get, uh, something happens in a church. You know, God's intended that we all, God calls us together as a body. We're not just a gathering of believers. We are a body of believers we're not a gathering, we're a body. We're supposed to work together. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the members of the, of the human body, you know, the physical organs of the body, how they, how they cooperate with one another and dependent upon one another and, and work together. Well, the local church is supposed to be that way. And the vision of, that God gives a church is the thing that harnesses us all together. We're harnessed together around this common cause. Well, you know, when people get their feelings hurt with the pastor or with somebody else, you know, there are people that, you know, there are some people that just can't get along. And you know what? I'm one of them sometimes. And you are too. That's, that is part of our fleshly nature is we have all of us have a tendency to get our feelings on our shoulder. Yeah. And in a local church, I mean, it is a prime location for that to happen. We're supposed to work together, cooperate together. But, you know, invariably somebody's going to do something that upsets you. I know because people do things that upset me. And I don't think I'm any different than anybody else. But someone who is immature, instead of, instead of just settling down, putting their flesh under, forgiving, and not just forgiving, but forbearing with somebody else, and just say, well, you know, uh, I'm just, I choose to believe they didn't mean it that way. I choose to believe they don't hate me. I choose, believe, choose to believe this is, you know, that whatever, make excuses, forgive, and go on. But every now and then someone will, you know, they'll, something will rub them so wrong, the, 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 you know, so the wrong way, they'll just say, well, I just can't come to church anymore. And they're, they're chafing, you know, because they're harnessed together 
And, you know, there's horses that are, that are harnessed together. They're rubbing up against each other. And, uh, and I've said for a long time, the, the, the love walk, there's no way to perfect the love walk other than having to walk in love. <laughs> for many, many years, and when I changed Bibles not too long ago, I didn't, I didn't transfer this over to my new Bible. But for decades, I had the 13th chapter of, of, uh, of uh, First Corinthians printed out, you know, the love verses. I had those printed out. This, I did this on a typewriter years ago, you know, and I glued it inside my Bible right there at the 13th chapter. So anytime I opened my King James Bible, I'd have that little, that little paper in there and I had those, those, uh, the amplified version of, of, uh, of the love verses. And I would meditate on those and speak them over myself. Well, that's wonderful. That's a, that's a wonderful way to build the concept of, of what God's love is. God's love is patient and kind. and You know all those verses. That's wonderful to meditate on the love verses, but nothing replaces someone getting under your skin and you actually having to practice that. <laughs> nothing takes the place of that. And the church is a perfect laboratory for that. God, listen, God designed this this way. He designed it for us to, to have to walk in love, to get along, I mean. And so the, the love walk is perfected by, by actually, actually having to do it. If you're around people that always just tell you how wonderful you are, can I do anything for you? Can I get you some water? Can, you know, your hair looks really nice. I just like everything about you. You're just a perfect, great person. You know, you don't, have to, you don't have to walk in love towards that person. I mean, you know, they just butter you up all the time. You haven't grown an ounce. If you, if you, are, if you like being around that person, you haven't stretched yourself. It's that person in your department, at church, that gets on your nerves. They don't show up on time. They don't... Uh, seem to follow directions. Everybody else does what the director, department director says, but they don't. It'll always be that way. That's, thank God. You ought to say, thank God for Sister Blabbermouth because she makes me walk in love. Well, what happens though when people get offended over something and they leave the church, what happened is, is they've got out from under the harness of the church vision. And I've run into people like this. You know, they didn't sell it to me, but they told other people. Oh, I tell you what, since I left Impact, since I started, since I quit going to church, I tell you what, I am so free. It was such bondage over there. There was so much bondage in my life. I'm telling you what, I've, since I've not been going to church, it's been great. Life is just wonderful again. I'm just having, I mean, God's blessing is upon me. I'm enjoying the presence of God. I'm so glad I got out from under the, under the bondage of that church. You ought to get out too. Well, what's happened is the sanctifying effect of that harness that was rubbing their flesh 
Well, they just got out from under that, so there's no pressure on their flesh anymore. And they're like that horse up in the, up in the, uh, in the hillside. He's just running around in circles, you know, and just, he's free. Whoo, I'm free. Not, on, not, not tangled up and tied up with those other horses and that mean wagon master wanting me to go one direction. I want to do something else. Here, I'm free. Of course, that horse is not smart enough to realize how much that freedom is going to cost him. Because eventually, night's going to fall. And, you know, the, the horse that's, that's out there doing his own thing, horses in the wild don't eat very good. They don't eat very well. They, uh, they're, when, when storms come up, they're just, they're subject to the elements. Uh, they, don't, they don't have the care that the other horses have but particularly when, when, when they, the wagon master brings them back home, he gets them home, he calms them down, you know, he grooms them, feeds them, waters them, you know, trims their, do you trim their hoofs? Yeah, you have to file them off with a rasp, you know. And there, there's a lot of care that comes from that wagon master that that horse up in the, in the, in the mountains, he's not getting that anymore. And of course, we also know what happens at night. There are lions out in the mountains at night. And which which horses do you which horse do you think the lion's going to go after? Is he going to go after those those horses that are around the nice warm campfire, you know, under the watchful eye of the wagon master? Or are they going to pick that horse that's up there in the wilderness? They're going to go out. The lion's going to go after that horse that's out in the wilderness is on his own, isn't that right? And uh, and so. Don't, don't, don't short-circuit what God's doing. If you're struggling with something, if you're struggling with people, God's trying to work with you. I said, God's trying to work with you. That's not God, that's Sister Blabbermouth. Yeah, but God's trying to work on you in light of Sister Blabbermouth's irritation. Amen. He's working with, listen, don't short circuit that. Let his work continue in you. Amen. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. We'll, we'll stop here. We'll go on a little further next time. Hallelujah. There's a reason God joins us together. You know, even a horse has a, has a greater purpose in life than just doing his own thing said, even a horse has a greater purpose in life than just doing his own thing. Like I said, horses are designed. I believe, I firmly believe there are some animals like horses that God created to serve man. They're, they're, they're built to serve. They have a unique capability to do that. Well, God created us to serve one another. We all have a greater purpose in life than, than to just satisfy our own purpose and just work for ourselves, live for ourselves, pray for ourselves, uh, feed on the Bible for ourselves, just have a relationship with God for ourselves. All of those things are good, but God also wants us to minister to one another. And the local church is a place for that. And, And the vision, this is what folks don't see, the vision that God gives the church is that harness that holds everybody together. It's not the pastor. 
It's the vision. God called us together as a church, all of us. If God joins you to a church, he joins you to the vision. If he joins you to a church, if he's made you a part of a church, he makes you a part of that vision. In other words, that vision becomes your vision. Now, again, that's not saying that you don't have other pursuits. You have all kind of good things you can do, you know. You might want to coach a little league. You might want to, you know, whatever. Own a hunt club, you know, all those wonderful things. Do tap dancing, whatever you want to do, you know. But uh, if you're a part of a local church, God, God joins you to the vision, and that harness is here to keep us all going in the same direction. Don't circumvent that. Amen. Don't 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 uh, jump ship because you can't get along with people. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.